We're going to have a good time today. You guys ready for a word? We've been in this series called The First 50. And The First 50 has been such a fun series for me because I don't know if you're like me or not, but have you ever wondered what Jesus did after he resurrected? Have you ever wondered that before? Because the Bible doesn't really include a whole lot of big stories about things that Jesus did or things that Jesus says after he resurrects. The Bible includes all of these amazing stories about what Jesus did before he was crucified, right? I mean, this man is walking the earth. He's raising the dead. Everybody say, wow. That's amazing. He's cleansing lepers. Everybody say, wow. Right? Happy birthday, Sean. He's healing the blind. He's healing the deaf. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. I mean, thousands of people are following him. He's performing miracles. He's turning cities upside down and inside out. But we don't really see a ton from Jesus post-resurrection. But it's really important that we're curious about what Jesus did and what Jesus taught post-resurrection because Acts chapter 1 verse 3 says, He presented Himself alive to them, His disciples, after His suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about what? The kingdom of God. Now, how many of you, when you get to heaven, are going to download those podcasts? Come on, man. What were the messages that Jesus was giving his friends on the kingdom of God? I want a front row seat to that. I want the DVD live stream. What was Jesus? VR, yes. I love that. What was Jesus talking about? And uh, so what we've done is we've highlighted throughout this series four significant events in the life of Jesus post-resurrection. So if you go through all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're only going to find four significant events. Now, there are other little things here and there, but there are four significant events. Number one is the road to Emmaus story. How many of you guys remember that story? Jesus is walking along with two disciples. They're, they're talking about Jesus' crucifixion, and then after he disappears, they understand, whoa, it was Jesus that was talking to us. Did not our hearts burn within us? Which I love that way of describing what it's like to spend time with Jesus. How about you guys? Like when you spend time with Jesus, does not your heart burn within you, right? After that, in John chapter 21, we went on to examine the story of the breakfast by the sea, which we entitled the breakfast of champions. It's on our podcast if you want to listen to it. It's the first half of John 21. That is the second major encounter of Jesus and his disciples. And then on the latter half of John chapter 21, we looked at last week, Peter's restoration and reinstatement as a disciple and as an, uh, someone who would advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the second half of John chapter 21. And then today and next week, we're going to spend two weeks covering the Great Commission. No one's excited about this yet, but 
Listen, we have some missionaries in the house. I know we do. I'm a former missionary. I know some of you guys here. I know Ray and Dolores were missionaries for a long time with YWAM. I know we have other YWAMers here. If you are actively or have ever been a missionary, just wave at me real quick. Anybody in here? Look at that. Wow, more than I can count. Look how many. I am expecting so many amens from you guys. I just put you on the hook. So if you waved at me, you've got to shout me down during this message, okay? You are contractually obligated to shout me down, all right? So why are, we, why are we entitling the sermon series the first 50 if what we're looking at is what Jesus did during the first 40 of the early church? It's because when Jesus ascended, he released something called the promise of the Father, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I love the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is a free gift that we all have access to as Christians. So why not want it? All I'm saying, right? And on the day of Pentecost, Pentecost means 50, which is why this sermon series is called the first 50. Because we want to follow Jesus, not just until he ascends to the Father. We want to follow the movement of the Jesus people until the 50th day on the day of Pentecost as they are united in the upper room and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is poured out. They are clothed with power and Peter stands up to give the first sermon of the first church plant. Revival hits the city, and 3,000 people get saved in the same day. Yeah. All my missionaries yeah. said, Amen. let's go. Who doesn't want to see that, man? That's amazing. Sign me up. So that's what we're talking about during this sermon series. And so the reason why we're spending two weeks on the Great Commission is because, believe it or not, let me let you guys in on a secret. In every single gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there is a version of the Great Commission. Now, I know we don't often notice that because we think about Matthew chapter 28 as being the only Great Commission. But believe it or not, there is more expressions of the Great Commission as recorded by each and every one of the disciples, which is how we know it is very, 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 very important, right? Yeah. Because every single one of them recorded it at different times and different stages of the church because they wanted us to make sure that if we forgot a lot of the other stories from the other uh, disciples' books, that we would remember that the commissioning of Jesus was essential to our faith. Now, if you're not interested by this yet, I would like to say uh, the Great Commission is largely neglected by the church today. I think many of us would agree with that. When I read the Great Commission in my Bible, it says in bold print, the Great Commission. But for some of us, at least in today's world, we read the Great Commission as the Great Suggestion. Right? Completely optional on the basis of how you feel that day. right? But that's not the great commission that Jesus gave us. He gave us a commissioning that truly is a commandment. And so as Christians, we should be looking to receive and obey all that Jesus taught us to do. Can I get two good amens? 
So what I'm going to do today, I'm going to read two portions of the Great Commission. Next week, two portions of the Great Commission. This week, I'm going to read from Luke, and I'm going to read from Matthew. Next week, I'm going to, I'm going to read from Mark and from John. And I've split them up that way on purpose because today's message is called Commissioned by the Word. And next week's message is called Commissioned by the Spirit. If, if we will recognize in each and every one of the gospel writers, they include a strong commissioning from the word and they include a strong commissioning from the spirit. It is definitely very practical and it is definitely very supernatural. Who's scared so far? <laughs> Who's ready? Let's go. So in Luke, let's read the most practical commission in all of the Gospels. Luke chapter 24, verse 44 through 49. Then he said to them, these are my words. Everybody say the word. The word. That I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses. Everybody say the word. The word. And the prophets. Everybody say the word. the word. And the Psalms. You guys got it. The word. Right? Must be fulfilled, and then he opened their minds to understand the Word. He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. How many of you guys want God to personally open your mind to understand the Scriptures? I don't know about you, but I want that, man. I am hungry for that impartation right there, right? And said to them, thus it is written, what? Jesus is appealing again to the Word. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed. Now right here, we're, we're bleeding over into the commission now. That the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem, and you are witnesses. Oh, I love that word, witnesses. Because in this time, in this era of the world, there was no Facebook. So you could, not, you could not rely on third-hand information. It had to be an eyewitness account, which is what we call a testimony, right? This is the way that the gospel was shared. This is the way that miracles were experienced and passed on. It came as a result of people standing up courageously and witnessing. Are we getting anywhere so far? Witnesses of these things, and behold, oh, what has Jesus got up his sleeve? I am sending you the promise of my Father, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from heaven. Now, that is a great description of what it means to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Clothed with power from on high. Who wants to be clothed with power from on high, man? Don't you think life would be a little easier if you were clothed with power from on high? I don't know about you, but what God has called me to do, I cannot do in my own strength. I need to be clothed with power from on high. I don't know about you, but just getting by, just week to week, just day to day, the everyday task that I've got to go through, I need to be clothed with power from on high. All the parents said, amen. Right? I need some, I need some power at 4 a.m. Right? So Jesus, he delivers this promise, and the way in which he does it is so interesting because he gives the disciples a commissioning that comes through the word. He gives the disciples a commissioning that comes through the written word 
the Logos, right? He says, listen, look, I'm not just making this stuff up as I go along, okay? I'm not just Jesus and, hey, I'm God, so therefore you should listen to me. What Jesus does is he appeals to prophetic promises that have been revealed to God's people thousands of years in advance. He says, it is written. This is the word. This is the law. This is the prophets. This is the Psalms. These prophetic declarations have been written about me for thousands of years. And guess what? I have fulfilled them all. So when Jesus talks about your commission, he is not just giving you a direct word in conversation. He is giving you a word from of old. He is appealing to the prophetic promises that were given to prophets, that were given to God's people thousands of years before you were even born about you. Even if you think for a moment that nobody's praying for you. Who said that? Was it Chance? Nobody's praying for me. Who was that, Kanye? Nobody's praying for me. Well, I beg to differ because it was thousands of years previous that prophet after prophet after prophet was prophesying about a day and time in which God's spirit would not just be around God's people, would not just rest upon God's people, but would dwell on the inside of God's people and that they would receive a word from the Messiah, a great commissioning to go and to advance the work of God all throughout the entire earth. Sounds a little bit like what God was doing in Genesis chapter one when he told our first parents, Adam and Eve, I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply. I want you to take dominion and I want you to subdue all of the earth. Now you couldn't do that because you disobeyed and you fell into sin and the wages of sin are death. But now I have sent my son and he has redeemed you by his own blood on a cross. He has resurrected you. Therefore, you now have new life in Jesus Christ, and you can fulfill not only the original commission, but the great commission, which includes an extra benefit. The Holy Ghost. And all the missionaries said, so look at the second great commission, Matthew chapter 28. We're going somewhere today. Thank you, Mary Pat, for being with me, getting in my amen corner over here. Now, how many of you guys had read this once or twice in your life? If you've been to Sunday school, man, you, you, you definitely heard this. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. Now get this last part. But some doubted. How many of you have just been tormented over the fact that you've come to church many times and in worship, you're like, I'm faking it. I don't feel nothing. I'm having a hard time. I don't even know if God is real. You are a part of good biblical company because there were people who followed the word of God not even knowing if this was in fact the person of God. And yet they stood there and they worshiped. In the midst of their doubt, they worshiped. If you've ever doubted, I just want you to know, I just want you to be encouraged, you're in good company. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore. How many of you guys know that two-thirds of God's name is go? <laughs> go, therefore, and make disciples of how many nations? Just your hometown? Just the local city nearby that's easy to get to? All nations, right? 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is such an amazing word that we receive from Jesus. Now let's look at the first part of Matthew chapter 28 and just kind of extract a few points from there. So if you could imagine for a moment that you were a disciple of Jesus during this time. Now, obviously the Bible tells us that the 11 went to Galilee, but how far exactly is that? You ever thought about that? You study the topography of Israel, you'll notice that Galilee is actually 62 miles from Jerusalem. And there was no Ubers, right? No bullet trains, no puddle jumpers, all right? So it takes about three days' time to get there. They're walking. I love how Jesus wants to pull them out of the fray. He wants to get alone with his friends. Man, I love that place when God's like, hey, let me draw you out of your your routine. Let me draw you out of your normal. I want to get away with you. I'm going to spend a little bit of time with you. I want to have you all to myself. And no doubt the disciples had to feel safe, probably. They'd been in danger for quite some time. They were locked inside houses, having prayer meetings in, in fear of persecution. And so Jesus inviting them to Galilee had to feel somewhat comforting and safe. And now they're getting away from the city. They're getting away from danger. And then they arrive there. And who shows up? Jesus exactly like he said he would. He shows up, and then when he arrives, everybody begins to worship him. Everybody begins to, you know, proclaim, you're God. You're the Lord of heaven. You are the Messiah. You are the one that has been sent. You are our redeemer. You are our salvation. If you really think about it, we're experiencing in this moment a seismic shift in the New Testament church because the church itself is, is leaving the idea that we're following this man as teacher and embracing the idea that we're worshiping this man as God. I mean, you're literally watching as we read this passage of scripture, the contractions of the birthing of the early church. They're leaving the idea of we're proclaiming the teachings of Jesus to now we are teaching that Jesus is the message. Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is salvation. There is no forgiveness of sins aside from the blood of Jesus. Do you see there is this massive transformation taking place as Jesus is receiving this worship? And yet some of the folks there are like, I don't know. Must have been Thomas. I don't know doubting a little bit. But notice this, that even their doubt did not stop Jesus from commissioning them. That even those who were there who doubted, Jesus commissioned them anyway. See, I know sometimes you think that you've got to come to this point or you must arrive at this place before you can receive a commissioning. But Jesus sees your doubt and commissions you anyway. Jesus sees your flaws, your weaknesses. He sees your inadequacies. He sees your shortcomings. And he says, hey, none of those things are going to get in the way of the anointing I've got for you. Yeah. Boom, received the commissioning. Here's a great commission, and you're not exempt just because you don't perceive yourself to have as much faith as that guy over there. I'm giving you the same commission. Yeah. You didn't walk on water? Commissioned anyway. Yeah. You didn't believe when everybody else left? Commissioned anyway. You didn't take part in raising the dead when we prayed for that girl? commissioned anyway. Isn't it great to know that you've been commissioned anyway, despite your doubts, despite your sin, despite how many times you may have turned your back on Jesus, Jesus calls you to himself and he gives you his commissioning. He commissions you anyway. Now notice how he 
talks in Matthew chapter 28 because he says the word all a lot of times. First thing he says is all authority, yeah. right? How, many, how much authority is left for the devil? <laughs> Nada, zero. That means when we're taking territory, we don't need to check in with hell. Hey, I just want to, you know, kind of gauge the atmosphere here. Yep, seems pretty demonic. Okay, so <laughs> Jesus already said, hey, there is no authority there. You have the authority because I'm putting it on you because I already have all of it. The devil doesn't have any authority in that situation. There are no demons that have any authority in that circumstance. I have all authority and I'm giving it to you in my great commission. So if Jesus has all authority and he places that upon you, you really have to ask yourself, how much authority do I have in my current circumstance? If you ask the Lord, I think he would say a lot. Well, you know, I don't know. It seems pretty crazy over here and kind of dark and maybe I should back out. No, Jesus has all authority and you should step up. Oh, I understand you feel a little fear, right? People talk about the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear is just a demon that's afraid. That's right. That's right. Tell. It's all it is. It's not you picking up on them. It's them picking up on you. So when you think about fear, think about it differently from now on. So, uh, no, that's not me. I might just be picking up on the atmosphere, but I'm charging into this thing because I know what the word says, because I've been commissioned by the word. I don't have to check with my feelings because I know what the word has proclaimed. And because I can stand on the word and it's a solid rock to my feet, I can step up into my assignment and proclaim the great commission. Jesus is king. Yes. That's what he said. All authority has been given to me. That this gospel has to be preached to all. Everybody say all. All, all nations. I don't know sometimes we want to leave certain nations out. I'm okay. I don't need to go there. I don't need to pray for them. Nobody needs to go there. It's fun. No, every single nation. Just want to make sure that you guys know I'm calling you to all nations. And however challenging it is to get there, that does not negate my commissioning. All nations. And then he says, when you go, I want you to teach something, which is all that I have commanded you. Every single thing that I have commanded you is exactly what I am asking you to teach. Now, we kind of imagined that we were there personally. And uh, you may have been there with quite a few people. I mean, there is actually one scripture that Paul wrote talking about the 500 that saw Jesus. And uh, that is in 1 Corinthians 15 and 6. It says, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. We have no exact evidence that this was the moment in which 500 witnessed him and received the Great Commission. But it seems like a likely stage for the 500 to encounter him. So if you could go back back to that imaginary scenario that you are there for the first time and you are listening with 500 friends. Jesus released this great commission and say, all authority, all nations, all that I have commanded you, go. How do you respond? It means a great exercise. How do you respond? Do you turn around? Because embracing religion was not really an option in that moment. 
embracing a comfortable philosophy and saying, you know, I'm going to talk about Jesus, but I'm not really going to do anything. That'll get your head chopped off in that era. Right? It was either all in or all out. So they had to make a decision. Will I obey the one who is speaking to me with all authority or will I not? When we read the Great Commission as the great suggestion, we must consider who it is that we're ignoring. It's Jesus, to be precise, who is God, to be precise. Right? And he says, this is what you're to do. Mm, I'm good. Is it possible? Is it possible? Just a question for us all, me included. Is it possible for us to be biblically qualified Christians and ignore the Great Commission? I'm not sure. I don't think we'd fit in too well at the early church. It's getting real quiet in here, 10, 15. But this is what Jesus releases. He said, I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. Now, how did the early church respond? We know from Acts chapter 17. Now, this is a very interesting verse of scripture. Acts chapter 17, verse 6 said how different cities, when Jesus said, I want you to go to all nations. Here's how the nations were responding when the disciples showed up. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. That's how the cities that were receiving the apostles were talking about the early church. They knew that wherever the church showed up, there was kingdom transformation that was bound to be released. The same reputation that the early church had should be the same reputation that we have as the modern church is that wherever we are, transformation takes place. Not because we're strong and wise, we're doubting. But because we've received a great commission and we've been baptized and, and clothed with power from on high. This is what we're called to. This is what the early church was called to. The commissioning has never stopped. It continues. So how is it that we obey? If you look at the primary actionable verb in the great commission, it is this, make disciples. If you want to follow the instruction of the commission, you must do this, make disciples. Everybody say, I must make disciples. This is not a sermon illustration. This is not me just trying to get you involved. If you are a Christian, if you claim to follow Jesus as your Lord and God, I must make disciples. There's no wiggle room. There's no exemption. There's no gray area. Jesus does not say, all of you guys here, but not you guys over there. You guys over there, you're exempt. You're fine. It's okay. Just do whatever you can do to get rich. Like, you are called to make disciples. Dang, it's too real today, isn't it? <laughs> make disciples. This belongs to each and every one of us. We are all recipients of this kingdom assignment. And if we choose to turn our back on the commission, to be sure we are choosing to turn our backs on Christ. No, I'm okay, I'm good. That's what we call nominal Christianity. Man, this is a heavy hidden message today. Wow. Didn't mean for it to be this heavy. Should lighten it up a little bit. 
I don't think we should. You know why? Because there are people who are crying out to the unknown God because they don't know the name of Jesus and they're begging a God that they don't know for some type of relief, some type of life, some type of joy, some type of salvation, some type of freedom. They're asking a God that they have never met before. God, if you're real, send somebody to help me. They don't even know that Jesus is God, but their prayers have come before the Lord in the same way that Israel's prayers came before Yahweh and God spoke to Moses from the burning bush and he said, you go set my people free. You have to understand that God's instruction to us as a community to study this passage of scripture today is not us just deciding on a whim to preach the Great Commission. I have no doubt in my heart that there are people in closed nations covered in darkness that are praying right now, hoping, begging the Lord to send somebody to get a hold of somebody's heart who is willing to count the cost and say, I will obey Jesus. I will preach the gospel. I will go. I will do something. I'm not going to sit around and let this happen on my watch. My life is supposed to be meant for more than this. I'm called to make a difference. I can't sit down while I have a commissioning resting on my life. This is what we're called to. We can all make a difference. You know why? Because we can all make a disciple. We can all make a difference because we can all make a disciple. Maybe one, maybe 12, maybe 10. Our team right now, we're, uh, some of us, we're reading this book called Mentor Like Jesus. It's a really good book. And, and this guy takes eight people a year. And if you do that five generations deep, guess how many people you'll reach for Jesus in your life? A million. Anybody and everybody can change the world as a result of being obedient to Jesus' commission. Make disciples. Okay, real quick, how do you make a disciple? Well, Jesus gives us three more actionable verbs in this. Number one is go. Number two is baptize. And number three is teach. Go baptize and teach. Every single one of us can do these things. When you think about go, what do you mean by go? Go means a change of location. Let's get real intentional about it. Go means a change of location. Now that location might be barista parlor. That Kroger, could God knows they need some help. It, I don't know if you've ever been there. My God. Trying to go through self-checkout, speaking in tongues. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Help them, Lord. Hey, listen, I pray for locations. When this Burger King right here burnt down, I prayed in the name of the Lord that it would become a Chick-fil-A. The Lord, <laughs> the Lord did not answer my prayers. It was unfortunate. But God cares. <laughs> I mean, how easy would it be to tell people where you go to church? Yeah. Hey, our church is next to the Chick-fil-A. Oh, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I know you have. <laughs> you know, and so it's about a change of location. Where is God calling you to go? Right now, ask yourself the question. Write it down if you're taking notes. Sincerely pray it in your heart. Where is God asking you to go? 
It might be another nation. It might be another, it might be another city. It might be a place of business. It might be a sphere of society. It might be the business mountain of society. It could be the education mountain of society. Maybe God is calling you to go teach or, or tutor or be a part of something within the education mountain of society. Maybe it's arts and entertainment. Maybe it's another sphere. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's government. But I promise you this, God wants to send you to a specific people in a specific place and he wants you to go with specific friends. Truly, he does. Jesus said, two by two, go to this place. Preach to these people. Whenever Jesus says all nations, the word there is ethnos, which means people groups. We've learned through hanging out with Sean that gamers are a people group. Do you like to play Fortnite? You're not exempt of the commission. There are hundreds, millions of people. Honestly, we looked it up and I cried. It's like gamechurch.net or something like that. And there are hundreds of thousands of people that go to these places, Comic-Con and Gamers Conference. Those people need to hear the gospel. It's a people group. You can take what you love and apply it to your commission. What do you like to do? Go meet people who like the same stuff and tell them about Jesus. You already have a bridge of connection. You like the same thing. Go. There is somebody, there is some place, there is some people that God has anointed you to share the gospel with. It's true. How do you know who those people are? Well, who are you in love with? And you don't know why. You know what I mean? Who do you hear stories about? And you're like, God, I just love that culture. Well, go there. Try that out. You can't get it wrong. Jesus said all nations. Don't worry. When you're doing missions, you'll never miss it. Some people get so bogged down. Where should I go? Just go somewhere. <laughs> Somewhere. What's next? Baptize. Some of this is about authority. Because God has given you the authority to baptize your own disciples. You don't have to bring them here for worship night. You can baptize them in your bathtub. You can baptize them in the apartment swimming pool. You can baptize them in the lake. You can baptize them preferably in a hot tub because it's nicer for you and for them. You know, but... Either way, you have the authority to baptize your own disciples. I think one of the reasons why this has kind of fallen off and the church just doesn't really do this anymore is because we have outsourced all of our responsibility to obey the Great Commission to our pastors. And when we say, hey, why, have you, why are you not making disciples? Like, that's what I pay you to do. <laughs> You're like, you ever heard of tithe? <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, I wasn't aware that the tithe was to compensate me to live your Christian life for you. Because that's not what tithe is. Tithe is you giving to God. You don't give money to me. <laughs> At all. <laughs> I'm going to amen myself. I'm going to listen to this. That's a good word, Lyle a good word <laughs> baptize hey look if you got somebody you're working on invite them for worship nights hey you got baptized with your kid 
You want to get baptized again? Come to worship night. Heck, if you disciple them, get in the tank with us. Baptize them too. It doesn't have to be done by the clergy. It's done by every Christian, okay? Because listen, you're not baptizing them into your name. You're baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you were baptizing them in your name, Christ may say, you're prohibited from doing this. But you're not baptizing them in your name. You know why? Because God hasn't commissioned you to give them your teachings. Because what's the next point? Teach. Well, what do we teach? Everybody wants to teach, right? Give me that mic, bro. You know, I want to teach. I got something to say. I'm anointed. Look, Jesus does not commission you to teach other people the principles that you think they need to hear. Jesus commissions you to teach the commandments that Christ has given humanity. And this helps inversely because if you're disqualifying yourself and saying, hey, I'm not anointed to teach. I have no ability to teach. Well, do you have the ability to read? Because there are so many commandments right here inside of these books that we call the Gospels. You can highlight every one of them. There's over a hundred. Just pick one you do well and teach that one. Pick one you don't do well and invite somebody into it. Say, hey, can we pray for each other? I feel like I'm really terrible at this one. That's discipleship. That's life on life. That's family. That's community. And that's what we're called to do. And as we do that, guys, we change the world and make a difference. You can do evangelism in a moment, but you have to do discipleship in a lifetime. It's both and. Two sides of the coin. Both have same value. So let's stand. Hey, actually, could everybody just sit? Don't stand up yet. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Hey, look, if you, if you are actively right now, if you're a missionary or you've, you've been an active missionary in the past, could you stand up, please? I just thought this would, be, this would be good. Look at this. Look at this. Look at these guys, man. Come on. It's amazing. Let's give them a hand. Come on. And, you know, this is many nations, many nations represented here. And, uh, you know, I just want to honor you guys. You know, it's interesting that we would honor you guys also on a day like today. You know, it's Memorial Day weekend, and we, we honor our veterans. We honor uh, those who serve. And uh, I, I told somebody this morning, I said, next year we got to do something special for the veterans and for those who are in active military service to thank them for serving our country. But I, I just want to thank you guys for serving the kingdom. You know, you guys have actively participated in God's plan to redeem all of humanity by giving your lives, counting the cost, and going and doing what God has asked you to do. And maybe nobody has told you in a long time, but I just feel like the Lord wants to bless you and say thank you for your obedience. And, uh, hey, I, I know you guys, I know your family, you guys are getting ready to go to South Africa. You guys got to stand up, too. You know, we want to, if you guys don't mind. I know you're visiting, but please, these guys are getting ready to go to the Iris Harvest School in South Africa as a family. Come on. Look at that. They're a living, breathing example uh, that, that, you know, you hear people say, I can't do anything. I have kids. These guys have two kids. Look at them. That's awesome. Right? So here's what we're going to do. I'm just, we're all going to stand now. 
But you guys, we've highlighted you guys. If you don't mind, if you don't mind, just everybody stand. Just just put a hand on a neighbor real quick. I just want to have you guys just be praying right now. We're going to pray. I've highlighted them for a purpose. If If you feel called to missions, go talk to them after this meeting. But look, find a few people around you. Pray for them. If you want to move around the aisles for, you know, a couple minutes, fine. Go ahead. You're commissioned. You know Jesus well. You followed him to the ends of the earth. But right now, I just want to pray, God, that you would stoke a fire in our hearts. Stoke a fire in our hearts. You know, we sang that song today. Burn like a fire in me. Lord, I pray that you would move in us for missions. Missions doesn't have to be international. Jesus was the best missionary that ever lived and never did any ministry outside of his home country. Think about that for a minute. He never left Israel to preach, and yet he was the best missionary forever. He did leave his hometown, though. He left heaven. The greatest missionary. So right now, Lord, we just pray for burning hearts. Lord, we pray that you would put people groups on our heart that we'd give our lives for. We pray that you'd put the city of Nashville on our hearts so strongly, Lord, that we would give our lives for Nashville, that we'd count the cost and we'd say, yes, Lord, I surrender. I'll go where you're asking me to go. It may look like I give up, a, I give up my Saturdays to serve. I give up some hobbies or some time in the evenings to serve and to help and to pour into the city and to make a disciple. Lord, I I invite people into my living room and we study the commandments of Jesus together. I share my life with them. I open up my life to them. So Lord, we thank you right now. Lord, we just say that the anointing of God is moving through this entire room right now. From each and every one of those that stood as missionaries, as volunteers, Lord, that what you've put in them, it would just be a big shared a big shared impartation right now. Just every sacrifice, every moment of time that they followed God at the expense of their comfort. Lord, would you just release that impartation through our house, through our church. This is a significant moment. It's a serious moment because God, we need you and we rely upon you and we need your anointing. We need to be clothed with power on high to do what you've called us to do. We need grace to turn our backs on what's comfortable and convenient and and look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith and lay down our lives again and count our lives as nothing before the cross, willing, willing to be filled and to be sent wherever it is that God would call us to go. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. You know, I get the opportunity from time to time to preach in mission schools and at missions conferences. That's actually where I met this amazing family was in Vacaville. I'm, I'm closing with this. I know, how, I know how much time I'm over, but listen, <clears throat> it's going to be a little awkward. Stay standing. Not that awkward, though. Lord, we, just, we ask you for people groups or, or, or cities. Hey, if the Lord has spoken to you right now, a city, would you just shout it out? Hey, here's mine, Nashville. 
Anybody else? Mexico City. Iran? Harari, Zimbabwe. Let's go. Nations, anybody else? Like the Lord just putting a nation on your heart, a city on your heart. Thailand, anybody else? Iceland, let's go. Anybody else? Houston, come on. Anybody else? Haiti, let's go. Anybody else? Iraq. You guys remember Psalm 2? The Lord said, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Look, you don't have to go into hell and wrestle the nations out of the grip of Satan. If that were the case, the Lord would have told you so. He said, ask of me. Listen, guys, nations are not given to warriors. Nations are given to sons and daughters. Ask of me, the good dad. Hand out the cities, hand out the nations. Come on, guys, we got to get hungry for something more than a good day job. We got to get hungry for something more than a fun hobby. We got to get hungry for cities. We got to get hungry for souls. We got to get hungry for nations. We got to get hungry for people groups. We got to go beyond where we went before and say, God, use me up. Here I am. Send me like Isaiah. I will go. Come on, guys. We're we're called Legacy Church. (laughs) Not short-term church. Amen.